0: Hey friends, Rachel here. Popping in before this episode begins to remind you that these Lent episodes were recorded a couple of weeks ago, and so it was before the coronavirus swept the world, and all of our lives were impacted by that. So again, you won't hear us mention that, and it's not because we are ignoring it, but it's because it just hadn't happened yet. In fact, you're going to hear a particularly tone-deaf moment from me in the beauty, goodness, and truth. I beg your forgiveness, but... It is a beautiful episode, and guys, the Holy Week story that we're going to talk about is unchanging and so relevant this week. It's going to be a really sweet episode, and we're so glad to offer it to you. Hello and welcome to the She Reads Truth podcast, where we open our
1: Bibles and talk about the beauty, goodness, and truth we find there. I'm your host, Rachel Myers. And I'm your other host, Amanda Bible-Williams, and we are here in Holy Week. We have made it through... Our six weeks in the book of Jeremiah, and we're in the last week of our Lenten study. We are so excited to walk through this week with you guys and read scripture with you. And we are thrilled to have our guest Andrew Peterson with us for this episode. Andrew is a fellow Nashvilleian and a friend of ours. And you've heard him mentioned here as one of our beauty, goodness and truth features that we've called out at the end of the episode, because that is what Andrew does. He's a man of many talents. He's a singer songwriter. He's a novelist. He's a speaker and author. And he is a person who delights in the story of Scripture and seeing it in the world around him. We can't wait for you to hear this episode, so let's go.
0: So, the first time Amanda and I met
1: you—wrong,
0: it's not true. No, we've known each other. Yeah, for about we've known each other. Yeah. The first time I met you. Okay, so how <laughs> long have y'all known each other?
1: I don't know. I just know everyone through David, like yeah, all of you cool, creative people. Yeah, I've known
2: David for creative like people. 22 years or something like yeah. that. And I remember him meeting you and getting married. So I
1: kind of married into friendship with Andrew. Okay. And one of the stories that I will always remember when I think of you, Andrew, is when David and I were dating and you guys were at the Yellow Barn having like a guy's night, which oh, wow. is like our friend Keith's house. It looks like yellow barn. And everyone was just sitting around hanging out. And it was all these mostly single guys mm-hmm. and you were married and had kids. And there was at one point in the conversation, you just interrupted the, con- not in a rude way, but you were just like, guys, I'm going to go. I just really want to be home with my family right now <laughs> or something like you were just like, I'm just going to go now. Like, I love you. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. And, that, and it made such an impression on him because there was a point, you know, as we got married and had kids that he looked back at that and goes, I totally get that now. Yeah. Like at the time we were like, huh, Bummer he, he left. left. He <laughs> left in the
2: middle of our hang.
1: Right. Yeah. But now he like gets it.
2: Actually, I'm glad you brought that up cuz I'm going to go now oh, I, shoot. I just want <laughs> to go be with my family. Um, it's funny. We got married pretty early yeah. and um had kids early. So we've always been like one chunk ahead of most of our friends. Mm-hmm. And so like our daughter is graduating high school this year and she's our yeah. youngest. And so we're like Empty nesters already. Um, Whereas a lot of our friends are just now having their kids or their kids are, you know, in junior high or whatever. And we kind of feel like we're the first ones through the brush in some ways. And so I feel like part of our role has been the one of going, hey, guess what? Everything's going to be okay, you guys. (laughs) You just have to say it sometimes. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be okay. And also, I'm going to go hang with my wife now. And also
1: goodbye <laughs> because haha
2: we don't have to change diapers anymore
1: <laughs> uh, the fact that you are about to be empty nesters is amazing and i can't wait to tell him that when i get home yeah. what? <laughs> this guy's graduating they're gonna be empty nesters
2: yeah and that uh, comes with its own thing right you know? like oh that's, yeah we've had to sort through like we don't really know like jamie's kind of been homeschooling our kids for the last 16 years and she's like what do i do now exactly
1: is there so, anything you'd like me to teach you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. So we're figuring it out, but we like each other. And that's it's good and news. you
1: can sleep at night. Yes, that's the thing that I'm like. I wonder what it's going to be like. Or do you when sleep, sleep less
0: at night, just thinking about where my when my kids are at uh, camp or whatever? It's just like
1: yeah, you I worry.
0: Pray, I pray for them when they're at home, but I pray for them a lot when yeah. they are not at home.
2: Yeah, and you never stop doing that. But yeah. Like they're okay.
0: Yeah, they're okay. Yeah. That's good. Mm. Okay, so it occurs to me, I forget this, that I'm the new kid on the block because I've only been in Nashville for 14 years.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Only 14 years. Mm. Yeah.
0: So the first time I met Andrew was in Israel, probably Caesarea. I don't know.
1: Yeah. That's a pretty great story, though. Yeah. So we
0: met in Caesarea. (laughs) Caesarea. And I remember, so we went, a group of us did a trip with Israel Collective to Israel back in 2017. And Amanda and I got to bring our husbands
1: with us. Because we're insistent about that kind of thing. Because we asked. Yeah, we just asked. Good things happen when you ask. Um, And our friend Russ Ramsey was with us. And Russ is
2: actually how I got on the trip. Because Russ was invited and he called me and was like, I think you need to be on this trip. I bet I could call somebody and squeeze you in. So it was like three weeks before we all left that I found out that I was going. And I was in the middle of making a record about the resurrection.
0: Well, that works out.
2: And so we were like, that was scheduled studio time. And I just called Ben and I was like, hey, I think I need to go take this week and go experience. And it ended up shaping the whole album.
0: I listened to the album even as recently as last night because I just wanted to like hear it again fresh. And it makes me think of the track maybe someday or maybe next year. year, Maybe next year. Mm -hmm. And it was the thing that I love right at the beginning is that little iPhone audio clip. (laughs) Of us. All Which I the,
2: wasn't
1: supposed to be doing. No.
0: Yeah. Shame on you. No phones.
1: <laughs> um, it's okay. We were just flipping through photos that we took that night. Oh, no, that's we were flipping
0: But the audio is a clip of the Western Wall. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm sure that was happening on the boys' side. Because what people may not know is that also you can't worship together. Like there's a boys' side and a girls' side. Mm-hmm. And so we were on the ladies' side. Rachel and I were dancing Yes. And, um, yeah, with
1: some, I mean, we uh, were also at
0: the, we after the wall, and yeah. after that time, we just kind of like backed up, and some like military officers, female military officers with machine guns strapped to them, were in a circle with their arms all around each other, and they were dancing and singing, and Amanda and I were like, we want in on that. And so we just kind of like tapped in and became part of the circle. And the machine guns are clanking against our legs. Oh my
1: word, that's I don't even know that we wanted in. I think they pulled us in. I think that's probably more accurate. I think they were like, get in here, welcome. And they were so joyful. And I don't know what they were
0: singing. And I'm always weird. Like even when I hear a song for the first time in church, I'm like, I'm probably not going to sing it along the first time because I would like to hear the words and read the words and know what my mouth will be saying. And so even with that, it was like outside of my comfort zone for a yeah, number of reasons, sure. moment. But I just thought like, no, we're in Jerusalem and I'm worshiping the Lord in yeah. the holy city. And this is really special. You just kind of move around and
1: make a joyful <laughs> make noise. A joyful noise.
0: <laughs> it was one of the craziest experiences of our life. It was so special.
2: The line in the song, in the last verse, which if I'm not singing it, I might not be able to remember it, but it says something like, so I'll weep and dance at the Western Wall.
0: Yep. You want me to something before you sing it? something uh, you're making all
2: things new cuz the kingdom's here and whatever anyway the point is like that combination of weeping and dancing was what got to me yeah. was that it was, it was Rosh Hashanah happening. so it was like their new year so this Sabbath is a bigger deal than most of them mm-hmm. so they were like if you see people dancing dance if you see people crying you're welcome to cry with them and it was that being in this situation where there was all of this lament happening mm-hmm. and celebration at the same time felt like Oh, I don't know. Like there's Mm -hmm. so many, many paradoxes in Christianity. So Mm -hmm. many things where like these two opposites shouldn't work together, but they do in Mm -hmm. Christ, Mm -hmm. you know? And so that's what I think of. It's Mm -hmm. like the fact that there was dancing behind me and I was watching people with their heads on the stone of the wall, just sobbing. Yeah. It got to me in a huge way that I'm still kind of getting to the bottom of, you know?
0: Andrew, thank you so much for giving us permission to do this. We're going to actually play the entire song at the end of the episode. The line in the song where you say, I never felt so near or so far away. Mm-hmm. I think that was such a beautifully articulated way to say what that felt like. Because, oh, I feel so near mm-hmm. to the father. And yet, like, because of that, the longing is so great. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm interpreting your words, but what did you mean when that, you wrote that? That's
2: exactly what I meant. Like, I felt like Lucy in the wardrobe knowing that somehow Narnia is on the other side of this wall, but the door isn't open to me right now. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yeah. One of the most poignant parts of the Narnia story is when she's been to Narnia and she wants to go back and she climbs in the wardrobe, but it doesn't work anymore. Mm-hmm. So I kind of felt that way. I was like, man, I know that the kingdom is so close to me, yeah. and yet it's not here in its fullness. Yeah. And so I'm just full of this massive longing yeah. like to see Christ face to face, to see the fullness of the kingdom. And yet we're not there yet, you know? And part of what got to me was that we were talking about story earlier as a, I'm going to nerd out here for a second, but in the Wing Feather Saga, part of what you're trying to do as an author is to me, what makes a book a good book is when the beginning and the end feel like they belong to each other. And so it's one of the things that I love so much about scripture. When I realized my freshman year of Bible college that the Old Testament and the New Testament were all part of one big story and that Jesus was the main character, right? And that when I realized all of that, that's kind of what fired me up about, helped me to believe that Christianity was the truth, right? And so then, you know, fast forward all these years and I'm writing a fantasy novel and trying to figure out how to fight my way through a story. And the goal is how do I make the ending feel like it belongs there, right? How Right. How does the ending wrap up the whole story and connect, which is why when I read Narnia or Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter or whatever and you see that the author pulled it off that they managed to like tie up the loose ends in a satisfying way because we all know what it feels like to read a story and the end doesn't satisfy you because the things Haven't been tied up mm-hmm. Right Like you
0: feel like They're leaving you hanging Because they're planning right. To write another Or whatever or It doesn't feel like done
1: Even yeah. worse That they didn't have The end in mind From the yes. beginning yeah, Like oh you didn't Think past book two And here I am In book three And I feel like I'm in a different place It doesn't like make we're sense grasping. I feel like that happens A lot with television series Yes Where you know You're like oh man Seasons one through four Were fantastic And then it just really,
2: And you realize They didn't Really know, goes off the rails right? right And they yeah. didn't know
1: That it was going to be successful totally. And they just kept going Going and they don't know when to stop, and so which
2: is how. Sorry, I'm getting even nerdier than I meant to, but that's how the new Star Wars trilogy felt to me. It was like mm-hmm. they were building the bridge as they were walking across it, mm-hmm. and they didn't know yeah. where this was going. And so, from a scripture standpoint, standing at the Western <laughs> Wall, bringing it back, really, truly, like standing at the Western Wall, like human beings, like we want to tell stories. The stories are how we make sense of the world, right? Mm-hmm. And so. If God is the great storyteller Mm -hmm. and Jesus is the main character, what I experienced, the reason I started weeping at the Western Wall is I was standing there thinking, this is Mount Moriah.
3: Mm -hmm. Mm
2: -hmm. (laughs) I could start crying thinking about it. Like, so the story of Abraham and Isaac and the ram caught in the thicket, and what an amazing foreshadowing that is Mm -hmm. in a story sense. And to know that this is the same mountain where Solomon's temple was built, where the curtain was torn in half, where Jesus was tried, where he was crucified near there where he resurrected near there where the Mount of Olives was like the Gethsemane beautiful knot that God yeah. the great storyteller wove together and to be standing almost in the center of it right yeah. yeah the holy of holies was really close to where we are right now and so from a purely storytelling standpoint I just wanted to bow to yeah. the Lord of story and say hey, like how <laughs> I can't even talk about like it's just felt so true to me mm-hmm. and um and I just I don't know I just Adored him for it. Yeah. And also never had ever felt like it was as true as Ah. I did that moment. Like I just wanted to see him and thank him and walk around in the new creation.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That I never felt so far away is that like, I didn't know I could long so hard for Mm -hmm. something, Mm
1: -hmm. for a place where I belong. Mm Mm-hmm. Part of the experience that really got to me was being in that sort of sea of humanity. Like there's not a lot of personal space at the Western Wall. You're really like in there with a crowd of people and everyone's pressing to the front, to the wall. And Rachel and I didn't share many words there, but we shared a lot of nonverbal communication where this type of sorrow and longing that we're talking about was present. But there was also a sorrow If I were given the ability to read people's faces, which I don't pretend that I can do, but I wanted to just say to some of these girls and some of these women, like, don't you know how close he is? Mm -hmm. Because there was something about the like folded up prayers in the wall and the desperation. There was a desperation in Mm -hmm. the air in part that just felt like, but Jesus, right? you know, and like you another line in there, the veil had never felt so thin. Like, that's what I felt. It's like, but you know, feeling far away from the new heavens and the new earth, but feeling so close to Jesus and wondering if these people pressed in on every side of me, if they feel that too. Mm -hmm. And sensing that not all of them do. Yeah, And you know, and you see there's so much tradition and the practice of saying the prayers over and over and you can just see the dedication and the devotion. And it just reminds me of me, of just, you know, really holding tight sometimes to practice and wondering like, Am I clinging to the practice or am I clinging to him? And like not judging any of the people around me at all. these, I mean, it was the most welcoming experience. Not a single person looked at us like we shouldn't have been there. And we were clearly not from there. And it's
2: the holiest place to them.
1: Yes. And they were like come in, in.
2: come in, come in. It's amazing.
0: The holiest place was also the most welcoming place. Yes. And just to
1: acknowledge like our traditions are very different, but they're the same. And it was so layered and complex Mm -hmm. and just one of the most beautiful and kind of like spiritually intense (laughs) experiences Mm -hmm. that I think I've ever had. And I think you said earlier, I don't know if we were mic'd yet, but that you're still unpacking that. Mm. Like, yes. definitely still when I let myself go back there. Yeah. I'm still the whole time
2: I was there. What I kept thinking is I can't wait to come back. Yeah. Because I knew even while I was there that it was too much for me to take in. Yeah. I just was walking around the whole time going, like, I wanna be able to be familiar with this and deal with it without the overwhelming, you know. Yeah. Like it really did feel like as a pastor's kid who grew up reading the Bible, like I was walking around inside a a story. It was like putting on, you know, a
0: like you got to go to the virtual movie reality
2: thing or whatever. But it was like real and tangible yes. and yeah. so I was like, This is too much for my brain to know what to do with right now.
0: Another thing that struck me was the also tension that was there. There was a military presence. And even knowing that like different religions were at all times sort of vying for square footage and um, space. And like, there were a lot of ways you could go wrong Mm -hmm. there. A couple of days after that, I don't know if we actually had free time or if we took free time by the horn, but um, Amanda and David and Ryan and I went back to the Western Wall. And when it's not the night of the Sabbath, it's a quieter place, mm. and so it was interesting to go back. But this is not spiritual. But one of my favorite memories of that, Amanda,
1: this will not surprise Andrew. <laughs> is this
2: about the knife? Yes, I love this story. This is so David. So David, my husband, in packing for
0: a trip to Israel, most folks yeah. would pack, you know, like well, it's going to be really warm, but also we need to be modest, so like lightweight clothes and la la la. la. What David did. packed? So David has military experience, uh-huh. and he packed for the desert. Like he packed fatigues and (laughs) all his everyday carry. And so we went tactical backpack. Yes. Uh He was straight tactical the whole time. And not joking.
2: Like he's dead. No, he was, he was was
0: prepared. And so we, you have to go through security to get to that area. And we walked through security, which is no big deal because we didn't have anything that would be threatening. And David was the fourth of us to go through and like for sure set off the alarms. And Many like, times, and but times. like I would say, three to four times, he would take a couple things out of his pocket, a couple of knives.
1: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I think he just had the one knife, but, but other it things. makes a better
2: story. It makes if you a better he's story <laughs> little, if
0: he's just like, and like also this one strapped to my Chinese leg,
2: Chinese star is like tucked into the sleeves <laughs> of his shirt.
0: <laughs> oh, like at least three times they had him go back through to the point where the beautiful like. Israeli security guards were laughing because That's we so were funny. laughing. They yeah. were very kind about it, uh-huh. but also it was a favorite.
2: I remember being like, dude, what are, why are you going to need a knife? How is that going to do any good against an M16 if it comes to it? You know what I mean? Uh ready. Yeah. You
1: wonder what you need a knife for until you need a knife. That's true. That's true. And then, Maybe like, we were going to unwrap right. some nice gifts. And <laughs> we we had a nickel our... for every time David hid the knife uh-huh. in like a planter <laughs> while we were right. in his room. That's right. right. I forgot about he that. Was he h- yeah. hiding weapons around. He would leave it
2: outside the security and then go in and Listen, then come back and pick it my up. my
1: husband is a dear soul and he means no one harm. He a very means gentle no harm. Yes, he carries it to protect others. He is not... A non-aggressive. Uh, he's yeah. not aggressive. No. Anyway, we it was fun. The trip would have not been as eventful had no. David not been with us. No. But.
0: Hey friends, are you still on the fence about signing up for the She Reads Truth subscription box? This is the perfect month to test things out because when you sign up in April, you will not be getting just one but two study books. That's a $48 value for only $20. Plus, you can take an additional 15% off when you use the code BOX15 at
1: the checkout. What are you waiting for? Head on over to shop shereadstruth.com box for all the details. So we were talking about going back to the Western Wall, yeah, when it was quiet,
0: and it was—I don't know where I was headed. I was really more—it was more the story <laughs> it about all the, all knife. the knife. That <laughs> was just the knife lead off. Well, yeah.
1: okay. So one thing we are reading as a community—we are reading the scripture of the events of Holy Week this week. We read Palm Sunday yesterday, and today, I believe, let's Jesus see, cleanses the temple. Jesus cleanses the temple, which some of you may remember. We talked about how Jesus is quoting Jeremiah in that instance. So when he says, this is Mark 11, verse 17, he, Jesus, was teaching them, is it not written, my house will be a call to house of prayer for all nations, but you've made it a den of thieves. He's quoting Jeremiah and Isaiah. So that's from Jeremiah 7. But this week we are reading, it's exactly what you just said, Andrew, that it's like being inside. You said the movie set, Rachel, which I feel like is a better analogy. I was thinking felt board. <laughs> <laughs> like it's like walking around in the felt board that I, you know, as a first grader. Flannel, flannel <laughs> graph. Yeah. That's the one that the Bible lady brought to our school. The thing that Rachel and I, and I can say that because we got the privilege of experiencing so much of this together in both of us for the first time. And having the work that we do on a daily basis where we're learning, like in in our work in She Reads Truth, like we are learning Scripture, mm-hmm. meaning Rachel and I don't fancy ourselves experts in Scripture. We are students of Scripture. And so to be in this place where we can walk around and point out areas like in the old city where Jesus would have gone to be tried or that the kicker for us was standing on the Mount of Olives and looking oh, yeah. around and being able to see... We were just looking before recording in the Hebrew Truth Bible a map of the old city of Jerusalem and Passion Week where everything happened. But you can kind of do that in standing on the Mount of Olives and looking toward the city and looking toward Gethsemane.
0: Amanda, do you actually remember? So when we were on the Mount of Olives, we had a really lovely tour guide. You remember Yoav? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So Yoav had our group and he was doing a thing where he was really teaching us. And Russ grabbed us aside and he was like, he's going to say something that probably isn't accurate. Because Russ lived in Jerusalem for a year or more, yeah, something like that. Russ also loved you off. Oh, oh yeah, some, we loved him. This is a gentle Russ way. took us aside <laughs> and he was like, "Okay, if you stand here, I'm going to show you from this place where we believe the crucifixion occurred." And to be able to point out all the places of geography from one spot, so much happened in that little.
2: It's piece amazing. Of geography. It's amazing. Yeah. It's like looking at a little toy city almost. Yeah. And you've got it's your little big. your little figures that you can move around and you can see where the trial happened and where the crucifixion yes. happened. It's amazing. Yeah. It I, it's so hard to convey to anybody who's never been there what it feels like to see the whole panorama below you. Mm-hmm. And you're standing on the Mount of Olives, for goodness sake. Uh, or in
0: my case, I Jesus was on thing. a camel on the Mount of Olives. Yeah. <laughs> that was an <laughs> Wait, extra $10. On, we were tourists. To yeah, you rode a camel? Oh, Yeah. They had a camel. I you not get you,
2: to ride a camel.
0: <laughs> I mean, you give him ten bucks and you get on the camel. He stands up, does a circle, and then and he lets off. you off. Yeah, you almost totally fall. It was worth off. ten dollars. It was worth it. Yeah, it my was. Standby. I also took a selfie with a donkey on the Mount of Olives, and then the guy was like, "Where's my money?"
1: And Whoa. I was like, oh, no,
0: I actually don't have any now. And I'm sorry. But I took wow. the photo
1: myself. But I did
0: show the selfie of me with the donkey to Amanda this morning. <laughs>
1: yeah. That's still good. I was like, I this might be like an it. ancestor of the cold. Who Hashtag knows? Hashtag
2: donkey selfie. Yeah. that's so, yeah. true.
1: And to be able to imagine the flaming torches as they came down to mm-hmm. Gethsemane to arrest Jesus and Wait, then take him back up.
0: Let's unpack that because this is cool. I want them to like know what you're talking about. Do you remember this, Andrew? Oh, yeah. Okay. So here's the story. We were in Gethsemane, which this is what I don't love about a tour because I wanted to spend the day there. And it was like, well, you'll be here for 90 minutes. But there was so much to see. There was so much to see. But after our time there, we kind of stepped outside of the garden. So y'all remember, and you'll read this, Gethsemane is where Jesus prayed and where he was arrested on Monday, Thursday. So Thursday of this week that you're reading. But we were standing outside the, and it's sort of like up, it's elevated and then you can kind of look down across a valley to the city proper. And there is sort of a winding path from the eastern gate, mm-hmm. which is the gate where they would take the lambs in for sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And there was a winding path from the eastern gate up to Gethsemane. And they said this would have happened at night. And whether this is true or not, this has no bearing on our salvation, but it was fascinating to hear that the angry crowd would have come with Flaming torches, winding up the path, and it would have appeared like a flaming serpent coming into coming the garden into, a garden. into the garden.
2: It's amazing from a story standpoint. It's a thematic thing. That, I like, mean, you what can, a detail that helps you see what was going on. Whether or not we're reading too much into it, but it's also like, well, God is a storyteller. God is
0: a storyteller. So it's
2: not crazy to think that, that it's the, possible that
0: sin would be it introduced is, yeah. with a serpent in the garden. Yeah. And then that Jesus, the son of God, would be arrested by a flaming serpent that approached the garden and took him away and led him into the eastern gate where the sacrifice, because all the other gates were closed at that time, Mm
2: -hmm. to
0: lead him into the place where the lambs were taken for sacrifice.
2: It's nuts. And there's a zillion of those little things. A zillion. And uh, one of the things that got me when we were in Gethsemane, which whether or not that's exactly where it was, it's at least very near where this would have been. And I didn't realize you could see the gate from there. Right. So Jesus, when he was praying in the garden would have been able to see where he was about to go. Yeah. Knowing that this was about to happen and he would have seen them coming. So like when it says in the gospel account, it's like, he knows they're here. He's like, Hey guys, wake up. They're here. here You know, because he would have been praying and would have been like, well, they're here. This is about to go down now, you know? So just the geography of moving around inside the story is just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Which is also a great reminder to me that like it's so easy to spiritualize Christianity Mm -hmm. and kind of make it feel like it's this cerebral thing, but no, actually you can touch the places where this happened. Mm -hmm. Like matter matters and the way this all played out in a Jesus's physical body in a physical location in the earth that God made means that we can pay attention to the world that we are inhabiting and the bodies that we are inhabiting as a part of the story too. Right. Mm -hmm. Which, you know, it pushes back in my mind against the way that I grew up, was assuming that heaven was this disembodied thing Mm -hmm. and that spiritual things are not matter and whatever. And where, you know, once again, in the the Bible, there's this paradoxical interlocking of things like it's all integrated, right? And so to be there and have this thing that was only ever in my imagination suddenly be incarnated and exist in the real world taught me something about that.
1: And to sit in that place that is at least very near, right? And with the same kind of trees Mm -hmm. that are still there, the olive trees, and to read these words. Let's actually read some of that passage. So we'll be reading that on Thursday in the passage that we've got. What page is it in the book, Amanda? 257 in the She book. So we'll be reading that on Thursday in Mark 14. And I'm just going to start in verse 32, and I may fast forward a little bit. So to keep in mind that visual that we were just describing as we read the scripture. Then they came to a place called Gethsemane and he told his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James and John with him and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. He said to them, I am deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and stay awake. He went a little farther, fell to the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Then he came and found them sleeping. He said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Couldn't you stay awake one hour? Stay awake and pray so that you won't enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once again, he went away and prayed, saying the same thing. And again, he came and found them sleeping because they could not keep their eyes open. They did not know what to say to him. Then he came a third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Enough. The time has come. See, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up. Let's go. See, my betrayer is near. See, my betrayer is near. While he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, suddenly arrived. With him was a mob with swords and clubs from the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders. His betrayer had given them a signal. The one I kiss, he's the one. Arrest him and take him away. Just unbelievable to like imagine that scene and to picture Jesus at the center of it. God and fully man experiencing this. Saying to, I mean, how many times have we said to God, everything is possible with you. Please spare me this thing. Mm-hmm. that's about to happen. But to imagine Jesus saying that to his father and to have lost all his friends are sleeping, sleeping. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God is a storyteller, but it's not just a story. It's real. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. This is not just a, I'm going to write a story. This is, I'm going to be that story. Yeah. I'm going to give my flesh, my flesh will be torn.
1: I have so much empathy for Peter in these passages as I was reading, especially in this Thursday reading that I actually wrote in my margin at one point, oh, Pete, <laughs> like he's just, he says, you know, in that same chapter in verse 31, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And we all know what mm-hmm. he's going to do. And then that passage we just read in Gethsemane, when they were leading Jesus to the high priest, it says Peter followed him at a distance. Like you can just feel the tension mm-hmm. in that man.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't have anything to say about that other than like, <laughs> I feel like I get it, you know?
0: I think another cool thing that we got to really see with our eyes in the old city was kind of the place where Jesus was tried. It was elevated and to be able to just kind of stand there. And again, when you're on a trip, there's an agenda and you're just like, I just need to stand here for a little bit, which is why when everybody went to sleep, we left the hotel and we would go back into the city Mm -hmm. at night for hours and hours.
1: The old city at night is my favorite. Mm -hmm. And I want everyone within the sound of my voice to experience it. Yeah. Yeah, that's real. Yeah.
0: And honestly, not far from where we got to see where Jesus was tried Mm -hmm. was that cool little tattoo place. Tattoo parlor is the wrong word to use, but it's this little like actual hole in the Jerusalem Mm wall, And it was like this old family tattoo place called Razuk Tattoo. Mm -hmm. And I remember going in there, somebody had like given us a tip. To Mm -hmm. like, go find this. Do you remember who told us that? Tim Tabor. Okay. So he told us to go find it. And they have these wooden stamps that they'd use. Like they would stamp your skin with it as sort of the stencil for the tattoo that have been in use for what, 500 years, 800 years, some of them.
2: I know that mine was... 350 years okay. old, I think.
0: Yeah. I remember he, the man, and this was family-owned for generations, obviously.
2: 27 generations.
0: 27 generations. That's but crazy. That's the,
1: crazy. I feel like yeah. the
0: guy said something like, when your country was discovered, we were here 500 years. Oh, yeah. no. Like. <laughs> he, looked,
1: he had the stamps out on the table, and we were all just ooing and awing over them because they're these beautiful single pieces of wood that have been carved into these stamps. And he goes, this stamp, it's older than your country. And we're like, oh, no big deal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anton. Yeah.
0: Is that his name, Anton. yeah, that sounds right, okay. yeah. And so, we David left like, a bunch of us. I mean, two nights in a row, we would go in there and just sit and like ooh and aah over the tattoo stamps. And a lot of us, maybe more than half of the people, he, on the ma- trip, he
2: made quite a bit of money. On he us, did well <laughs> in two days. We just kept yeah. going
0: to the ATM,
2: yeah. I, I remember <laughs> that sounds so I'm shady. I'm not a tattoo guy, I just have never ever even considered having a tattoo. I just, right my friend Ben was talking about the tattoo fad and he was like it's kind of like sewing a fanny pack to your body yeah. in the 80s <laughs> like you can't remove this fad you know and so I thought that was such a funny analogy I was <laughs> so like I'm good. never never up. gonna get a tattoo <laughs> but then I started getting texts from David and Mark Class and all those guys saying you've got to come see this place and so we finally found everybody and I was like okay wait this is way cooler than I thought it was uh, tell me about these stamps neat. you know and I think I saw Russ or David in the back room getting tattooed you know and I Saw all these little icons that they'd carved the yeah. wooden things, and I was looking at them, and I was slowly felt my like resistance wearing thin, and I saw one, and it looked really cool to me. I was like, "What is this one?" And uh, he said, "Oh, that is the resurrection," hmm. and so it was this little image of Jesus with his wounds. Hovering over an open grave, so yeah. it represented him conquering the grave. Mm-hmm. And I was in the middle of this resurrection letters record, it was and I was good. like, "Oh my oh, goodness!" Right. And so I, I Facetimed my wife and I said, "Hey Jamie, I think I'm gonna get a tattoo." And she goes, "What?" <laughs> and my phone died, <laughs> 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 and so I went in there. Bzz, yeah. I was like, i I didn't really it. get permission, but she didn't know beforehand, at yeah. least anyway.
1: You were very torn, I remember. Like, yeah. you, it was an angst. No, no regrets. It's the yeah. kind of thing, no
0: regrets.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's the kind of thing, like, if you're going to get a tattoo, this would really be the time to do it. Yes. Like, I totally. wouldn't do it any other was, time, but a, if it was ever going to happen, it would happen here. Yeah. And a bunch of people got one. We I, almost
1: got Rachel. <clears throat> almost. I, I kind
0: of planned to, but I was like the tattoo doula. Like, I was in the yes. room for almost everybody's tattoo, because I'm also a documenter. Everybody's got a little package, like a photo mm-hmm. package of like this shot, the shot, the before the slow motion video
1: picture with Anton.
0: Yeah. Picture with like, I probably sent you a package of your oh, photo.
2: Yeah, probably. Yeah.
0: And by the end of 20 tattoos of being like, you're doing great. Everybody's doing I'm the tattoo doula. And by the end, I was like, no, I kind of feel like I've already gotten 20 tattoos. I don't really need one now. Sure. It's
1: yeah. kind of the ultimate souvenir. Mm-hmm. But I mean, Amanda, what did you get? Oh, I thought we were just going to glaze right past that. <laughs> Amanda, what was your decision? Um, I got the Paschal Lamb. I love him. He's on my wrist, mm-hmm. and yeah, I like. Him. I got had a the whole Jerusalem cross, so it's
0: like kind of one equal cross, and mm-hmm. then four little crosses for the four Gospels. But then he had to like take it a step further because he is an Enneagram four, and so he from the sewer grates in the city is the like seal of the city of Jerusalem, mm-hmm. which is the most beautiful seal of any city of all time, because it has, like, the Lion of <laughs> Judah inside uh-huh. this, like, shield thing. Uh-huh. So he kind of took a couple elements of that and had them add it in, which is not technically true to the original stamps.
2: Yeah, that's true.
0: But he did have them put a little shield
2: around it. I had mine put on my wrist so that I could see it when I was playing guitar. I remember
0: you said that. That's that was yeah. the idea.
2: So that when I would play. I could look down and remember this thing. And I remember walking through the old city because we had a day where it was like an open day on the trip, Yeah, which I love. I love to walk in a city alone. Yeah. It's one of my favorite things about my job is that I sometimes get to do that. And I was just wandering around Jerusalem. I went up to the Mount of Olives again and came back down. And no and, big deal. and you know, the Jerusalem is divided into these quarters. You know, mm-hmm. there's the Muslim quarter and the Jewish quarter and the Christian quarter and the Armenian quarter. Is that I think right? So. I was wandering around the city and I found myself in the Muslim quarter, which, you know, is just this like subtle change in the way people are dressed in that part of the city mm-hmm. and the stores feel a little different. And I felt on my arm, literally burning because it was new, this evidence of the fact that I believe in the resurrection of Jesus, right? Yeah. As I was walking through this thing going like, I can never deny that at some point, at least I believe this was true. Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I felt I had been marked by it in a way that felt very profound. Yeah. Um way cooler than like a Chevy logo uh, yeah. on my on my leg. <laughs> yeah.
1: No offense <laughs> to whatever. any of yeah. you who have anything
2: wrong with Chevy logos. <laughs>
0: but even cooler than like an ichthus. Like yeah. this is cool. Yeah, yeah. right?
2: Yeah. Because the, it comes down to the resurrection. Yeah. That's the thing. Is yep. like, I've heard people say this before, like if pressed, why are you a Christian? Mm-hmm. If the resurrection didn't happen, then this is a giant waste of time, but mm-hmm. it did. Paul said
1: it first. Right, yeah, yeah. Paul said it. And Bless th- our hearts. He basically says, if it didn't happen,
2: we're knuckleheads. And so I've thought about that too from an evangelism standpoint, that sometimes it's like, maybe that's the best place to start, to tell people that like, this crazy thing happened in history. Mm-hmm. And as best as I can tell, it actually happened. There's a lot of good reasons to believe that this thing actually happened. And if it did, then... Everything kind of is underneath that heading. Mm -hmm. You have to pay
1: attention. If this happened, we have to pay attention.
2: We need to reckon with this. Did this Mm -hmm. happen or not? And if Mm -hmm. it did, then we figure out what to do.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and not to over spiritualize our tattoos because they were (laughs) spiritual, but that to me, I mean, that it's not like, Oh, this is a reminder of my trip. I mean, it is, but it is a reminder of this is a symbol that to me kind of sums up what I believe. Mm -hmm. And, that it really is all about Jesus. And, you know, we were talking about the storytelling in the God who knows the end from the beginning. And this week on Sunday, of course, we're going to read about the resurrection. We're going to read about this event that we would stake our lives on, you know, that we believe so deeply that we put a sign of it on our wrists. That story and how it really is all about Jesus, and He even says so. We're going to read on Sunday after that resurrection morning that He's going to appear to the disciples on the road to Emmaus, and then to the rest of his disciples, and he's going to say, guys, like this scripture that you've been reading, it's all about me. And he's going to show them, interpret the scriptures concerning himself and how it's all about him. And that's a good summary for everything we've read in this entire reading plan that even in the book of Jeremiah, where we're reading about the people of Judah and exile and the depth of their sin and their brokenness and the depth of God's love for them and his desire for their hearts, mm-hmm. not just their acts of worship or their sacrifices, but their hearts and their whole selves, that it is all pointing to Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, we've been talking about this week for six weeks. right? And we finally are here where we get to witness through the gift of God's word. We get to witness the son of man giving himself. I mean, we, no one takes his life. He gives it freely mm-hmm. and he does that for each of us. Mm-hmm. And we get to read that story and then read about the literal conquering of death. Mm-hmm. Preach yep. it. Preach it. I mm-hmm. oh, well, Thank um, you. I want this
0: episode to be two hours long. Like, <laughs> I just want to. I mean, it's holy. How much time there do you have, Andrew? So,
2: yeah. It's I'm my just, favorite thing to talk about. I so mean, I'm, I'm that's getting, true. Mm-hmm. We, yeah. we
0: picked a good week to have Andrew here with us. Well, it can't be two hours long. But, what I love about this Lent series, and this is the last week of the Lent series, is that we give ourselves and our listeners this opportunity to respond that it's not just like well that's you know what we've learned this week or what we 're going to learn this week, but to respond in a lenten way and in just in a Christian way with a confession of sin and in a scriptural assurance of pardon it's Important not just to know the story and to claim that the resurrection is true, but to claim that I needed that and that that was for me. And so it feels right now to just let's do that. Let's go to the confession of sin. You guys know every week we use the confession of sin from the Book of Common Prayer during this seven week series. And then every week it's a different assurance of pardon from Scripture. If I read the confession, Andrew, would you read the Assurance of Pardon for us? Of course, yeah. Let's do it. Let's confess our sin, which is not a light thing to do. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry, and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen.
2: Who is a God like you, forgiving iniquity and passing over rebellion for the remnant of his inheritance? He does not hold on to his anger forever because he delights in faithful love. He will again have compassion on us. He will vanquish our iniquities you will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea.
0: That's Micah 7, 18 and 19. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. to God. I want to end this week with beauty, goodness, and truth. I want to come out of that knowing that we go to Scripture and we find beauty, goodness, and truth there, and it is also in the life that God created for us. And it's good to look for that and talk about it. Amanda or Andrew, where are you guys right now? Just seeing beauty, goodness, and truth in your life.
2: Uh, well, I'm a wannabe gardener.
0: <laughs>
2: and are we uh, all? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we live kind of in the country, not terribly far from here. And um, my parents think it's hilarious because I hated this stuff when I was a kid. But in the last 15 years or so, I've just started paying attention to the way things grow and living in the country. I'm a beekeeper now and we have grown some vegetables and Vegetables are kind of burning me out because I never end up eating them. Yeah, what little I do grow goes bad before we cook it. So I'm doing more flower gardening, and we have a cottage garden, and I'm have learned to build stone walls, that kind of thing. So I'm so for great for
0: a wannabe gardener. That's a lot of
2: well.
1: activity. We need <laughs> well, different thanks. terms because that's yeah. not the same thing that I. I am not that kind of. Wannabe I think
2: gardener. when I'm talking to like real gardeners, yeah. I feel like I'm just learning. So where uh, are you
1: ordering your
0: seeds from? Yeah, yeah, exactly.
2: So anyway, all that to say, I love the idea that at least in our in the northern hemisphere our celebration of the resurrection of Jesus coincides with spring yeah and it doesn't happen everywhere in the world but my goodness what a blessing that is right mm-hmm. to have all of creation affirming the story of the resurrection
1: <laughs> yeah yeah
2: um i love daffodils because they're the first thing to come up out of the ground and so All during Lent, depending on where it lands, I'm kind of moving through my days in Nashville with this appropriate sorrow. Mm -hmm. But then you see these little shoots of green pushing up out of the ground and then the trumpet of the the daffodil. It's like they're heralding the fact that the stories are true. And one of the jokes I make on tour, we do this Resurrection Letters tour where we sing through the crucifixion and resurrection. And uh, a lot of times we end up playing up north in like Minnesota where it's still locked in winter. Yeah. But we're coming from Nashville where I'm like, my hyacinths are already in bloom, you know? And I jokingly say that we are emissaries from a far country
0: <laughs>
3: here
2: to tell you Minnesotans that the stories are true, <laughs> that spring is coming and that Aslan is on the move.
0: Yeah.
2: And um, I just love, there's this kind of medieval idea that there are two books of revelation, that there's the book of scripture and there's the book of nature. Which is to say that if you want to know what God is like, you read your Bible, right? You pay attention to his word, you sink into it and also Mm -hmm. pay attention to his creation Mm -hmm. because this is also an expression of who he is. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: You and I are an expression of who he is, but even down to the daffodils that I drove past on the way here this morning, they are telling me a story, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so that's where I see it this time of year. I'm just, I'm a mess because I long for the resurrection and for the new creation. And every year we get this rehearsal of creation kind of saying, no, 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 this is the way it works. This is the way that I am making you new. And this is the way that I'm making all creation new in this small way every season. And it's also when the new Jerusalem descends, it's like this picture, this little glimpse of what the kingdom in its fullness is gonna be like. It wakes up my longing in a profound way. Just the other day, I was doing a podcast with somebody and they opened with Revelation 21,
3: <laughs> oh, th- goodness. that whole
2: passage. And I just, they had to pause it because I was crying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm crying again, but it just, my heart so longs to see him. Yeah, mm-hmm. Like, I just want to see his face and um, move around in the garden with my king, you yeah. know? And so I love this time of year because it assures me that it's true.
1: Yeah. I don't know if our people can hear it, but there are birds singing. There are birds singing. They hear chirping. Andrew, your words, speaking of beauty, goodness, and truth, Mm. and not just because you're our guest today, but these records, they were such a labor of love for you over the course of years. If our people have not heard them Guys, you need to do yourself a Holy Week favor (laughs) Mm -hmm. and listen to the Resurrection Letters, Prologue, Volume 1, Volume 2. They're beautiful. They're available everywhere. Mm -hmm. And the way that you articulate this thing that we're trying to get at, this whole podcast, we're trying to put words on the experience of God's love and the sacrifice of Jesus and the reality of the resurrection, and you do that really, really well. And I know that you would say it's not quite there, that we're just doing our best, like you are with your gardening, you know, like we're just doing our best, but it is such a ministry to our hearts who are also longing for that same thing. And so that's mine. I mean, I was listening to it this morning, so you know, we knew we'd seeing you today. And there's so much scripture, so much truth, but then also just so much of your own heart in that, and it's a gift mm-hmm. to the rest of us. Thank you. Um, yeah. Thank you. Ray,
0: you know, we have had a good number. I love having guests. I like having house guests and um, we've had house guests for the last five, six days. And what I like about that is that we break bread together every day. I'm not always good at inviting in town people to come have dinner with us, even though it's something I really like to do. But when there's somebody staying, we eat together. And I have um, renewed my love for good dinner conversation that lingers, starts at 6, ends at 10, where we're just still sitting around and asking questions and digging into things and even debating things, but really digging in as people who love the Lord, love each other, and kind of celebrate the way that the Lord uniquely created each of us to be a little bit different and have different ideas. And um, I forget how much I love a good meal with friends. And I don't know, y'all, I know it's Monday and you may or may not be fasting this week. If you are fasting, save it till next week. But if you're not, make a point to break bread with somebody this week. Sit down and share a meal, either with your family or your friends or have some people over who might not otherwise have somebody to eat with. There's just something really special there, especially in this Holy Week. Sit down and talk about. I mean, we do this on this podcast. Yeah. We talk about the scripture and we talk about Holy Week in real time, but do that yourselves too. Sit yeah. down and talk about the way that the scripture moves you and that the resurrection has changed your life.
1: It's a dual feast. You know, yeah, it's you're feeding your body and you're eating good food, but feasting on the company of others Mm -hmm. and their wisdom and their experiences. And it's just such a gift to hear from someone who's not ourselves.
0: You know what I'll do? Actually, in the show notes, I'm going to link my favorite meal right now to cook when friends come over. So Everybody
1: gonna, pay attention. Rachel does not take these things lightly. So it's good. If she says it's good, it's good. Two
0: nights ago, we had a really good meal and a really good dessert, and both were relatively simple. I'm going to link them for you guys. Go break bread with your
1: friends and talk about the Bible. All right, Andrew, it's so good to have a friend in our presence to just talk scripture with. Next week, we'll do the same thing, not with Andrew, unless you want to come back.
2: Hey, if you're going to make that meal you were talking about. <laughs> there we Okay, yeah. baby. There right
1: So next week, we'll start first, second, and third. John? Yeah, we're going to dig right into the letters
0: of love. It's going to be good. So yeah, come back next Monday. And guys, until then, Andrew, what do we say?
2: Keep opening your Bible.
0: That's right. See you guys next week.
3: Wall, I bowed my head I knew that every word I read was true As a prophet spoke from another age And the song rose up from the sacred page to you But I never felt so near I never felt so far away But you tore the curtain and shook the ground Saints woke up and they walked around and resurrection came to town that day. Like in that city that we long for, that we feel so far away, where the dawn will drive away our tears. And we'll meet in the new Jerusalem someday, maybe next year. the place where Abraham cut loose the boy and he killed the ram instead. And this is the place where Jesus said you could tear down the temple and he'd raise it from the dead. You never felt so real. I never felt so close to you. drive.